tour mm. can start sup guys welcome to coffee bong and today we are really drinking coffee okay, idea coffee uh, coffee made by kenny so uh, kenny got the beans from malaysia yep vamos vamos cafe from vamos vamos and uh we have isaac here today isaac doesn't like coffee usually eh. I like coffee. Okay, okay, he likes coffee, but uh, today he drinks coffee, even though he thinks he's cheating. Uh, Isaac is a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a physical trainer. So welcome, Isaac. Mm, I well. Introduce yourself. What do you do? Yeah, how do you got into body like CrossFit and bodybuilding? Um, okay, so right now I do more CrossFit and powerlifting stuff, mm. and also coach part time at two different gyms. One is personal training and one is like a functional fitness gym. Yeah. Yes. So how do you start? So I first started fitness in JC uh, A-levels. So at that point in time I was studying for A-levels like towards the like three months out from A-levels and I just started doing push-ups to de-stress. Mm. Yeah, and at the same time, um, considering that I need to go NS after A levels, like started to try and get a little bit fitter. So so yeah. before that, you didn't exercise. So much. before that, I was playing sports, uh, mostly football and basketball. Uh, in JC, I played football and football, but yeah, actually mostly football uh, So never really got into fitness. Like there's a certain fitness aspect in football and other sports, but it's more of how it helps you to play the game better. It's not like playing the sports for fitness. So it was different uh, in that sense. Yeah. Then what happened during NS? Were you like focused on this during NS or because like NS you couldn't really focus much? Yeah, so like in NS very hard to go out and play football, like organize a game or play basketball or whatever. So in camp mostly just spend my time training uh yeah. Doing like mostly bodyweight stuff at that time, push-ups, pull-ups, running a bit, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And how do you get into CrossFit? Or you want to document the journey? Was it CrossFit first? Was it bodyweight first? Yeah. Was it you know, so what, first? Kal- calisthenics first, uh, bodyweight exercise? Not really training with calisthenics in mind, uh, but just wanting to train to get fitter. So I started hearing about CrossFit in my first year of NS, when I watched a random I chanced upon a random CrossFit video and then it was like on my recommender in YouTube and then I was quite impressed by how much more capacity these athletes could do because uh, it was not something that I saw other athletes doing in other sports like decathlon or like track and field like these guys were running 5km like in the morning and then like lifting heavy weights in the evening as part of the competition so that aspect was qu- quite mind-blowing to me like the intuitive aspect of being so all around there as an athlete. Yeah. So YouTube algorithm is good. Yeah. Before so, that, were you watching like fitness videos on YouTube? Watching like random calisthenics videos. Okay, so I push guess up variation. I guess curated best pull up variation. advertising works. Yeah, it still works. Uh. Mm. Yeah. So, what's the whole CrossFit competition about? Like, I heard all about it before, but. I seen you like going for competition mm. things like that. How does the process work? Like, okay. you know, explain to me. So people right now, CrossFit is actually more of a. It started out as a methodology okay. to help people improve their fitness lives, but 
as it progressed, like it started being, it started to evolve into a sport. So it's, it's something, another analogy that I give is something like, it's like powerlifting. It's the same thing. You have your regular members going to gyms to do the classes and try to get fitter, but you have your professional athletes competing in the sport of CrossFit. So the aim of CrossFit is to add on to a competition, three or four day competition, to find out, to pick the best, um, to pick the fittest athlete. So fitness for CrossFit is defined as how much work capacity the athlete can produce across broad time and modal domains. So what this means is can the athlete perform, the, can the athlete meet the physical demand in events as short as five minutes to events as long as like an hour. So that's the time aspect. And as well as if can the athlete perform a lot of physical demands like running, weightlifting, gymnastics, pull-ups, swimming, cycling, those kind of stuff. Standard like obstacle course as well. So the competitors go into a competition without knowing what they're gonna do? They usually so they usually only know the events like one or two days before. But even during the competition itself, they there'll be certain events that are not announced to the athletes. So like in one of the years, I think it was twenty fourteen, um the athletes had to do an open water swim okay. for the first time. Wow. And that wasn't announced to the athletes. So many of the athletes, especially those who live in like landlocked areas, like they don't really swim much in the open water, they were faced with like a very insurmountable task. Lah. But this one of the aspect of CrossFit that you have to train yourself to be physically prepared for the unknowable. So it actually kind of models after like military style training. Okay, but is there a list of exercises that yeah. you know that it will come up or it can be random stuff? Yeah. So at lower level, like the CrossFit Open or like even like within intra-country competitions, the due to administrative issues, right, most CrossFit competitions will have will follow the same standard set of movements. Mm. Like squatting, running, pull-ups, those kind of stuff. There's a there's a list of it online. But when you go to like the games level where people where the where the organizers have more resources, they'll start to organize things like 5km desert runs, wow. open water swim, obstacle courses. And those, those kind of stuff that you can't really train for every day in the gym. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to test. Uh. So of course, they will still go back to fundamentals like weightlifting and all that. Which is why there are many events in a CrossFit competition. It's usually around 12 to 15 events over a 3 to 4 day period. So it sounds to me like CrossFit wants to train functional athletes. Like not, yeah. not, not just weightlifting, muscle, cardio. Yeah, the goal of CrossFit is to build fitness. Okay. Yeah, to to like produce the fittest athlete. So would you recommend yeah. like a beginner to go for CrossFit? Or uh, maybe they should do something else first? Personally, even though a lot of gyms, a lot of CrossFit gyms say that CrossFit workouts are scalable, like don't be afraid and all that, mm-hmm. I won't recommend a beginner to start CrossFit. Like I think the CrossFit is still a very new sport and the community hasn't really developed maturely enough to uh, ensure that their, begin- their beginners do not like push themselves too hard until like they become injured and all that so I think it's good to have a bit of fitness baseline and then go into CrossFit after that yeah so a little bit of knowledge on like how to move 
and like how to do certain exercises. Maybe the basic one. The, the very basic one. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it doesn't have to. You don't have to be like super good, but it's not good. I don't think it's very good for a fresh beginner. It's, it's like the injury rate very high for hospitals. Yeah, it's one of the highest. It's one of the highest injury rates like among all the sports. I think only American football. Is higher. Oh, American football is horrible. American yeah. football is just American football. <laughs> you just look at it. So how many of your friends actually have like gotten injured before? Or have uh, you gotten injured? Yeah, before? a lot of injuries are mostly is shoulder, lower back, and knee injuries. Is it like part of the package to get injured as a crossfitter? Mm. I think it's part of the package for any athlete in any sport to get injured. Uh. Mm. but. The demand of CrossFit is especially high. Is it because like I see like, on Instagram, you know, they have like videos like you have ten seconds to do like thirty seconds to do pull ups, then yeah. I see their form is like yeah. you know, pumped yeah. out, swinging around, but he just want yeah. to get as many reps as possible. Yeah, so like just like how uh just like how Ronaldo sprint his best to like chase the ball and then like potentially risking like tearing a hamstring, right? Okay. Crossfitters will also do their best to like achieve as many reps as possible and risking like tearing their rotator cuff out in their shoulder so it's like it's kind of the same analogy mm. it's just that a lot of new CrossFit athletes don't recognize this until it actually happens to them and then they start doing like the prehab rehab measures I see yeah okay so before I ask you like what should a beginner do like could you like just tell us more about your journey to become a certified fitness trainer like how, okay. what do you take? Uh, how was the journey like? What what test do you have to take? Why do you even want to become a certified fitness trainer okay. in the first place? So towards the last few months of NS, I had to start thinking of like what I wanted to do part time, good leading into uni as well as like throughout uni for, mm. as a job like mm. to support myself. So I wanted to try fitness uh, because that was something I was really interested. I found myself to be really interested in towards the end of NS. And after I OID, I applied to a lot of random uh, global gyms like Anytime Fitness, Fitness First, and even smaller gyms in Singapore like Ritual Gym, like that does HIIT. And having like no certificate or anything, mm. uh, I didn't get accepted for any of them. Uh. So I initially wanted to fall back to just playing poker, which was, <laughs> which was what I had been doing since JC. But then one day, and I actually did that for like one month plus, then one day, my friend from JC showed me a random flyer by wow. Goldstream Singapore and said that they were like looking for trainers and that there was a good interview going on like every Tuesday at like 7pm. So I just decided to go out with my friend and try and got accepted. Then we had to apply for the course, the course that they um, did and yeah, just did a course, got certified and started working for them under another franchise. So, so the certification is given by the gym itself or there's a governing body in Singapore? So the certification is called NCSF which is run by, which is which originates from US oh. but Goshin Singapore is, does, is like one of the so-called like franchisee of NCSF la, that does it for like Singapore. Yeah, and to work for Goshin, you need to have the NCSF cert. So how long was the whole course thing? Oh, the course was only two day long, but you had to do a quite a bit of studying on your own. Like to study this textbook, and then go for one half day practical and a half day theory exam. So yeah. so what does the book talk about? Uh, basic 
biology, function, the functional anatomy, yeah, movements, exercises, how to like keep track, what are some performance performance measure of like weight loss, those kind of stuff, how to keep track of progress, planning a workout. So is, is that what you have been doing for Bong and Damien? Yeah, mostly for Bong and Damien. So that's like your but, normal job for your clients also? Yeah. So okay, so now you have a lot of clients and uh, you train them, so like take me through like what does it entail for a client? Like what are the kinds of clients you meet? And what are their main goals, things like that? Mm, so for personal training, it's quite expensive. It's like the cost of personal training is almost the same as the cost of like an uh, A-level tuition. Okay. The rate is around the same. So most the mostly is my clients are people who already earn quite a bit. Uh, high and are like, yeah, high level clients and like are really quite far in the corporate ladder. So usually people around like thirty-five. Yeah. Okay, so what, what do you bring to the table? To you know help so one thing about personal training is that they the clients don't have to worry about what they're going to do for the day. They don't have to waste time thinking thinking about the workout, what exercises they should do, their meals and all that because all this should be like spoon-fed to them by the personal trainer. So it helps them to save time uh, and so still get uh, the benefits of like a good workout. And I presume like the workout you plan for them is based on their goals. Yeah. So mostly these clients, what are their goals? Mostly it's weight loss. So, oh, so it's different from different clients depending on what they want? Yeah, it differs from client to client because it's like individualized customized programming but most of the clients like I would say 90% of them want to lose weight or like lose their belly fat and so the majority are fat yeah are you more guys or more girls and more ladies or more men 50-50 yeah although one thing I can say is that they are more expats than locals expats earn, earn more in general actually I think it's more of the mindset behind personal training like Locals are a bit more kiamsa True, true. So they wouldn't spend money for this. They would rather spend the same amount of money for education, like tuition and all that. Yeah. Okay, so when you meet them and they first time tell you, okay, I want to do have a weight loss, like, is there any tips that you tell them? Like, maybe you say, like, oh, it's not only about training, it's about dieting. It's not only about dieting, it's about rest yeah. and so forth. So usually I try to tell them that uh, achieving their fitness goals, no matter what goal it may be, is follows a 70-30 percentage. So 70% nutrition and 30% work, workout. So I usually advise them to first change a little bit of their nutritional lifestyle, like cutting a bit of carbohydrates in, like for their dinner. And also try to make them really understand that training three hours a week won't have as much impact on them as like changing the other 165 hours of their week outside of the gym. Uh. Because if you only spend 3 hours per week training in the gym, it's actually less than the amount of time you spend eating in the whole week. Mm-hmm. So like, what, the amount of time you spend outside of the gym, that actually is far greater than what you spend in the gym. And that whatever you do out there actually matters much more than what you do in the gym. But of course the gym is a good starting point. Like, even just coming to the gym for the first 3 months, having not exercised for maybe the last 10 years, you'll see mm-hmm. quite a bit of effects really, yeah. yeah. But it comes hand in hand with changing your lifestyle also. So how many times must they commit to this program? Like how many times must they go to see you? Three times, two times, for this will be effective? 
optimally I think four times. Minimally two times. A week? Yes, so like minimally two, <laughs> two hours a week, optimally four hours a week. Yeah. So do they particularly find you or like any trainer from there can like do they like oh I want I let's say I'm at like Go Lion Gym that or so each time the client come today always mm. book you? Okay, so how my dream works, my dream is a franchise of uh Goshin Singapore, it's called Rising Fitness Singapore. So how we work is at the start the, my boss will assign the client with a particular trainer and this trainer will stick to the client throughout because it's it's better for both ways uh, if for them to build like a closer relationship. It's better for both the client and the trainer. Mm. Yeah. So so you you sync up your schedule with the person or yeah. Okay, so the thing about weight loss is, I guess from what I heard from you, is about a lot about dieting. A lot about, then it's only like 30% uh, fitness, like 10% training. Mm. Mostly it's about dieting. Yeah. And then, like, is there any like thing that they should work on more on? Like, I think there's a thinking that one should focus more on cardio for weight loss. Is mm. that true or is that uh, half truth? What do you think? Or can you work us like work us through a workout okay. for a client? Like let's say his first week at the gym. Okay. Or what are the first few weeks? I mean, what we make what what we make the person do for the first few weeks. Okay, so for a client that typically wants to lose weight, there are some uh scientific performance measure that you have to achieve that. So one of it is a calorie deficit. Calorie so deficit. What that mean? What that means is that you are spending more calories than you are intaking, so mm-hmm. that the deficit causes you to use up the fat stores around your body and that causes you to lose the fat and lose weight. So the so and obviously to increase the, the calorie deficit you have to exercise. True. So cardio is one of the best ways to increase that deficit short term because you burn the most calories while doing cardio as compared to weight training. But muscles uh, require calories to be maintained as well. So uh, someone with higher muscle mass will actually but more calories than someone who is skinny and has lower muscle mass. So what we advocate is also to do weight trainings to increase this muscle percentage so that even throughout their daily lives, right, their base metabolism is already increased so that they don't always have to or don't always have to rely on like that three times per week of cardio that they're doing to lose weight. So that's a little bit more sustainable because when your base has increased, you can consume more food and without worrying about putting on too much weight. So we usually advocate like a 30 to 40 minutes of weight training and then followed by 10 to 15 minutes of cardio. Share yeah, your weight loss journey. Oh okay, yeah, so, so uh, you got you to send you the photos yeah, there. Just yeah, show me. Oh, we'll put the picture on the video also. If Kenya allows. Pula, pula. What, what? That photo then being. <laughs> you sent to me. Uh. The day I found it like really long time ago. Eh. Oh, wait, let me scroll. Same so much rubbish, oh my god. Yeah, they are saying the photo. Ah. Yeah, you send me. Just go to the. Oh, this one. Last time oh. I was fat. Oh, okay. This one is me last time. Thought I was fat since young. Then after that, oh. It's the 10 year challenge, man. Hmm? 10 year challenge. Ah. No, like, you just went to the last time. You just went to the show me, like. No, but they are very long. This one, I think P6 or SEC. SEC 2 was my fattest. I think my max was like 70 plus near 80 kilos. And but do you have like clients like sorry, no, do you have clients uh, coming like they you no know, they feel angry, 
Then they says like they tell you, okay, I'm not eating, I'm fasting. Do you recommend like those hardcore gang? Have you heard about fasting, like intermittent fasting before? Yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah. So, so what, what's your thoughts about it as a certified trainer? <laughs> so I think all these, uh, I'm not super experienced in terms of nutrition. Uh, like I feel like my expertise lies more in training and performance. Mm. But when it comes to nutrition, I think all these diets have one thing in common and that is to at the end of the day, uh, ensure that the athlete is consuming at a calorie deficit. Mm. So it's just different ways of encouraging and motivating the athlete to hit the calorie deficit at the end of the day. So intermittent fasting is, you can do like a thing 12 or 24 hour fast before you consume. Is that, I think you eat another. 3 meals within 8 hours or yeah. something like that. So like yeah. the interval can change, like it can be like 12 hours of fasting and 12 hours of eating mm. or like 24, 24, something like that. But at the end of the day, the idea for that is to reduce the amount of time you have to eat so that you won't overeat and you won't be in a calorie surplus. Mm. So I think th- I think it's more important for the client or the athlete to recognize like which kind of diet suits his lifestyle the best. Mm, true. Yeah, so... Mm. Then whichever is more sustainable, just follow that one. I think on the from what I heard from you is that you have to okay. Let's say like you want to lose weight, you do a calorie deficit. I'm mm. sure. And so, exercise. Yeah, exercise. So if you want to do that, you can do intermittent fasting. Yeah. Because if you follow that schedule, follow that system, like you can get a calorie deficit. So yeah. that's why it works. So it yeah. doesn't have to be that. Oh, I have to do intermittent fasting to lose weight. It can be that. I just need. At the end of the day, you need to get a calorie deficit. Yeah. But how you get a calorie deficit? It depends can be on you. Intermittent fasting, keto, oh, or keto, anything. Yeah. But is there any kind of food they should avoid? Like you mentioned carbohydrates. Yeah. So usually, fat is not the enemy. Uh. Carbs is the enemy. Because if Carbs is the enemy. Sugar, okay. and then get stored, the excess sugar gets stored as fat. Okay. Yeah, but actually, good kinds of fat, like your avocados, olive oil, this kind of stuff, are actually good mm. for you. Uh. Gives you energy. Yeah. Okay, now that we talk about weight loss, uh, let's change the topic to like, okay, let's say for the average guy on the, on the street, he wants to get like stronger. Okay. He's a beginner, he has no experience with the gym, so and so forth. What mm. should he do? What would you recommend? Or do you have such clients also? It's hard to recommend, it's, it's better to recommend after I've done a individual assessment, because everyone's body is different. Uh. Some people can squat, some people may not be able to squat and must do like different exercises. But in general, I would think just try to get strong at uh, the basic compound lifts like your squat, bench press, deadlift, and barbell row. Is that but like five times five? It's still, yeah, yeah. It's still, but you still need to do a proper assessment for that person uh, to make sure that he can benefit from these four exercises and not maybe other exercises in like, like strongman exercises. Now, what, what do you do for an individual assessment? Uh, usually, I just ask them to. The first thing usually I usually do is ask them to see if they ask them to squat, and see if they have problems with their hip mobility, ankle mobility, and all that. Because squat squatting is like a very fundamental movement. Like when you're born, you're actually in a squat position, so yeah, that's the true. most basic movement. So I usually ask them to try and squat. Because squatting will expose a lot of like mobility issues. Uh. What if the person can't squat? So you do mean squat, or you try to do like easier exercises? to allow yeah. him to there train. There are two variations of the squat or like two variations of leg exercises that will allow him to still train 
the legs and uh yeah all that uh, that's for the that's for squats uh. yeah because yeah. I have a cousin uh, and he can't really deadlift also okay so yeah so what would you do about that depends on what is the reason re- depends on what is the reason why he cannot deadlift so is it because he uh I don't know like, like maybe the the back not strong enough lower back the strength. lower be- is it lower back strength? I think it's lower back strength for lower him. Back uh, yeah. You see like it feels a pain. So uh, yeah. so for the deadlift, the deadlift is a hinge exercise. Uh. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're supposed to feel more of your glutes, your yeah, hamstrings, and engage more of your obliques when you do a deadlift. So maybe one of the reasons why you can't do a deadlift is probably you can't find tension in these areas. And one thing you can do is either work on uh, activating these muscle groups for uh, for maybe a short period of time before trying on trying out the deadlift again or switch to other variations of the deadlift like the trap bar deadlift. So like the trap bar deadlift puts you in a more natural position, allows you to still perform a pulling exercise from the ground with uh, less mobility. Yeah. So okay, uh wait, what, what ask something? What is it? Let me give first. The Cardi's part. I'll ask something after that. Oh, yeah, uh, so okay, so I know we see a lot of people at the gym, like okay, for weightlifting, like how many percent should be compound exercises? How many percent should be accessories? Because I feel like a lot of beginners they made a mistake of doing a lot of accessories at the start. Or do you think it's okay to just go more accessories at the start? Mm. Or it really depends on the personal workout plan. Usually, you try to follow like a pyramid in terms of. Uh, number of reps. So at the top of the pyramid is the lowest number of reps where you do the heaviest lift. Mm-hmm. And then going down the pyramid, you have like more number of reps which is like the accessories. So you try to follow that kind of structure. So like each, at each section of the pyramid, maybe just one or two exercises. So like one or two ex- compound exercises, one or two like assistance exercises, then one or two accessory exercises. Yeah. Okay, then let's talk about the dieting part for the average Joe on the street if you want to get stronger. Okay. So there's like I read online there's like the, the thing about bulking and then after that cutting. Yeah. So can you walk us through that? So it depends on what his secondary goals are. Like he may want to get stronger but does he have any concerns with weight loss or weight gain? So either way for the average show, no matter what he no matter what he chooses to do in terms of nutrition, whether to gain weight or to lose weight. For the first six months, he should still be seeing gains in strength alongside weight loss or weight gain. Because it's like a new stimulus, it's easy for them to pull on strength very quickly. It's called it's what you call the newbie gains. Mm. Yeah. So this effect only usually lasts for like I would say uh the first six months to a year, depending on genetics as well and intensity of training. And after that, then he really needs to decide if he wants to focus on he needs to narrow down his goals more specifically because he can he can't like focus on too many goals at the same time. Like basically you can't have your A and your K and ED at the same time. Because uh, after like after you hit after you get past the newbie gain stage. Yeah. Then you hit a group block or what? Yeah, like so you'll realize like you can't cut and gain strength as much at the same time. Because cut as in you cut your calories. Yeah, or... you can't yeah, because a calorie deficit will make you weaker. La. Okay, so true. you won't be able to perform the strength components in the gym as efficiently as you did before. So what that guy should do is he need to eat more to like calories surplus. 
if he's someone who is very skinny, then you're eating more will help him pull on weight and at the same time gaining strength. But if he's someone that is concerned about losing weight, then he has to be more fo- focused on choosing each, choosing one goal at a time. So it's perfectly okay to actually gain strength and lose weight at the same time? It's, it's possible, it's possible first, at the start. Yeah. Months, huh? It's possible at the start. But it gets progressively harder and harder. So, okay, and after it, so you have to gain, 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 and like you reach a certain percentage, 45 percentage, then you start cutting. Ah, uh, so like, yeah, so I would usually say, um, try not to go above 20% body fat. 20%? Yeah. Okay. There's some uh, relationship between percentage of body fat and amount of muscle that your body can put on. So like at body fat percentages, I think above uh, 15%, then your body starts to put on muscle mass less efficiently. So someone who is like 10% body fat can put on muscle much more efficiently than someone mm. who is at like 20% body fat. So if you want to measure body fat, you can use like machines, those green skill machines at Fitness First, or I mean we have one here, but it can't, can't print shit. Like there's no paper. Actually, I think the best way to measure is by visual. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. By Focus photos. Uh. So you just take a picture of yourself. Yeah, take, take a photo of yourself, make the lighting consistent, angle consistent, then compare that with like photos that you see online. I see, I see. And then I like, ask for like third party opinions and all that. And then maybe take the average of all the like people they ask. You can send your pictures to Isaac, he will evaluate for you yeah. your body fat percentage. And then let's uh, talk about something else. So we have a lot of clients. And uh, we all know like sports and fitness is very important with like your performance outside. In work your lifestyle, how you feel, feel happier, things like that. So as your clients reported that, uh, do you see like a change in your clients after they start, which they start? Yeah, so most of them do say that they feel more energetic at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like engaging in fitness or sports will actually boost performance at the start, mm-hmm. as long as you don't overtrain or do it too much. Yeah. So it definitely does help, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that sports and fitness is very important because firstly, I mean, I look at a lot of those big CEOs or successful people, they do sports like, almost on a daily basis, try to do something. Oh, they um, like to run in the morning before yeah, they Yeah, I know, they have a Google thing like, what, 530 wake up and run. But I mean, I'm not going to do that, uh, but I think that shows that uh, sports helps in your performance yeah. in the workplace. And it's something that you can look forward to after you, after you are done with your work. Uh, it keeps your mind, body, and uh, it keeps your body and mind healthy. <laughs> and I think getting better. I mean, personally, I, I think better after I go to the gym, after I do sports, and it helps in my studies a lot. I I feel shacked out after the gym. You know, I need to sleep after the gym every time. I mean, I, is that, is I, that normal or? I guess it differs for different people. Yeah, I mean, do your clients feel tired after the gym or they feel more energized after the gym? Mm, they definitely feel, th- feel tired. Uh. They should feel tired. But I think the long run effects have them being more productive and energetic. Uh. Mm. Yeah. It depends on like how much they prioritize training also. So for a professional athlete, their training is to stop priority. He probably feels burnout. And probably feels really tired from training all day. Whereas for someone who does it recreationally, 
the person is using fitness to like improve his daily performance, then he can benefit he will benefit better uh, from all this. Yeah, because there's a 80-20 thing, like it's like at the start the newbie gain, so if you do a bit, you feel really good. But I mean if you are a professional, you have to push the edge and it can get very tiring. But then I still think that everyone should really um you know if you want to become a better performer, you should really do sports. Yep. Yeah, questions. Oh yeah, so anyway, because I researched into intermittent fasting quite deeply, uh, okay, so sure, I'm just sure telling you some facts that I know. Okay. So basically, when your body heats around, uh, okay, the whole idea for intermittent fasting for weight loss is, okay, just imagine your body like a tank. So you need to, essentially, to tap into your fat stores, you need to burn off all your glycogen stores first, mm. which is like basically what your carbs become, mm. essentially, when you eat it in your body. So the whole idea is to deplete this, so you need to fast for a period to up to uh, typically is 14 to 20 hours depending on your goals so what happens is uh, during that period of time your growth hormones actually go up so uh, what you should have shown with higher growth hormones and uh, you increase the amount of muscle you can put on and also it and also because of the normalization of the fats so you lose weight and you gain, gain muscle at the same time so typically you see all those transformations on intermittent fasting then you can see like your body change quite dr- drastically after a while Especially if you just converted like from a high carb diet, which is a very typical diet for most people. Mm. So I mean that that's like something I look into because I you said like you're not super good at yeah. dieting and stuff, so you might look into that. Because I've been experiment experimenting with it also. Then last time I used to do the the uh you no know, the chicken breast, broccoli and stuff. So that that didn't really work out for me. Why? Like I I cause uh you know like a lot of people have the misconception that fats is actually very bad for your body. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh but the thing is fats is actually very essential for producing hormones and cholesterol in your body. Yeah. So actually if you start depriving your body of fats for a long time, you'll start feeling like shit because it mm-hmm. cannot produce the proper yeah. amount of hormones in your body. And also because your body realizes that you know fats is so important, right? Yeah. And they realize hey shit, you're not eating enough fats, so I better keep some fats just in case to raise the hormones ah. so our body then will tend to hold on to the fats yeah. so for that period of time I tried that I didn't really lose weight then until I screw it then I start eating like, a lot of, of like high fat food yeah. like avocado uh, chicken thighs yeah. then, then I started losing weight but so, were you like also gymming at that time? Uh, run and run exercise, and exercise uh, some gym yeah. here and there but I think not as uh, regular uh, as uh, Isaac but, but I just realised a lot of people just misconceptualise that you eat fat then you gain fat because fat is super dense in calories mm. yeah but then then it actually makes you more full so you eat like lesser in the long run mm. you know you know what I mean yeah you know what I mean yeah so, so that's like personally from my experience yeah, yeah like so, eating eating like uh, intermittent fasting stacking together with keto it actually helps to what's keto uh? keto is a no, no carbs one is it no uh, actually it's like a extreme extreme uh, like totally no carbs at all wow. then it really pushes your body to burn the every single last bit of fat in your body but that is more for fat loss or that one is for people typically keto mm. is recommended for people that are extremely fat I see, I uh, see. Like, like if you don't lose this weight within a certain period of time it's like life and ring and uh. then the doctors will recommend I would love to want to do keto uh, but I think you're honest. too skinny to do yeah, keto and you're a hard gainer also so like yeah. I don't think it's recommended because I, I, whenever I eat carbs I feel very tired after that like if I can I really don't eat carbs yeah but for that is because uh, when you eat carbs then your body start to uh, your blood sugar actually spikes yeah, so yeah. that's what people commonly say as like the uh, food coma, coma. yeah, yeah. And I think Kenny makes a very important point in that 
uh, dieting is also very important in fitness. It's not just you you going to the gym. Because as I say, you mm. going to the gym is only like six hours in a week. But your dieting is like more than that, more than six hours. And what you put in your body is what who you are. So I think for me a mistake that I made was that I neglected food for a long very long time. Like I'm I personally am a hard gainer. Uh so and when I get stressed I don't really eat or I can eat lesser because every time I eat I feel tired. And that's why like uh, my progress was like a bit up and down, swinging, things like that. So I mean once you're in the fitness game right, you have to really go all out, I feel. Not not say you have to like count every single calories. But you have to think of all angles, okay, go to the gym, okay, yes, take. Uh, your nutrition, take. Rest, take. So for me, I think my kryptonite is more of the food and the resting side. Because I, I, I sleep very late, I wake up very late, I usually don't sleep enough, things like that. And that's why they say that fitness will inculcate discipline for the average being. Yep. So as I can, uh, where are you working at now? Currently, I'm working at Rising Fitness Singapore and soon to be campus training as well. So, you are just a personal trainer? You are a personal trainer over there? Yeah, personal trainer at Rising Fitness and starting to learn about coaching fitness and hopefully coach in another like 2 3 months time at campus. So, walk us, like, walk us through an average work day for you. What do you do? Like, where clients come in? Or, yeah. So, a typical day of working, training with classes during the day as well is uh, waking up at probably around 7 a.m. in the morning, going to school from 8 to 3.15, mm-hmm. and then going out to the gym to train myself mm-hmm. from roughly 3.45 to 6 plus, and then start coaching around 7 to 9.30. So but that's you, one of the more shown days. You uh, coach like 3 hours or 7.30 to 9.30, 2 hours. Usually it's 6.30 to 9.30. Is it the same client or different clients? Uh, each client comes down around 2 to 3 times a week. So I have... Yeah, so... In a way, I'll see like the same client like 2 to 3 times. Uh, but they kind of like... So within that 3 hours you go to work, it's like different clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So every day, like, if there's 3 hours, it's like 3 different clients. Yeah. It depends on... Yeah. And okay, so I think I don't know about uh, personal training or why, but do you just only talk to clients when they are there, or do you also give them advice on their diet like outside of gym hours? Yeah, so like I I will just entertain any uh, messages regarding lifestyle or like nutritional questions outside of the gym as well. So sometimes they'll just take photos of their food and then send to me and ask if this is okay. Yeah. And this is part of the whole personal trainer package also. Uh, it's more of like a responsibility, responsibility. and obligation. Yeah. And I mean, I see that a lot of trainers going to the online coaching and things like that. So, like, do you have any plans for that? Yeah, I think I actually enjoy online coaching a little bit more because uh, your... Or do you have an online coach also? Or do you have a, if, do you, do you have a coach in the first place? Maybe you can share I more about that. I do have a powerlifting coach. Uh. Okay. Yeah, and like, of course, I still try to learn a bit here and there from like the other CrossFit coaches at my gym and all that depending on what which area I want to focus on yeah, yeah. let's talk about online coaching so, yeah. I, so personally I actually enjoy doing online coaching a bit more because I think 
the athletes that come for online coaching are more uh, driven and you just need to focus more on their training and performance which is something I enjoy a lot more and it's also more time efficient uh, for both parties So what does online coaching entail for the client? So usually, uh, depending on the needs of client um, you usually just give like a customized training periodized training program for maybe 6 to 12 weeks and then like help the person with some nutritional um, dieting and also of course like reviewing his technique on certain movements uh, through videos yeah okay. so how, how do we like pay you like paypal or like debit card or you know yeah, just uh, asking about logistics of online yes, coaching i think at whoever's convenience oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah how, how do you like meet them is there like a platform for this online coaching thing uh, so they send you videos, I presume, of their yeah. product, things like that. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you find the clients for this? Like, yeah. So like, if I know the client... Oh, how do I find them? Yeah, is it like locals or...? For now, it's just mostly friends and friends of friends, I guess. Yeah. Also, oh, you never actually meet them before you just... like. I... For now, those people that I coach online, I do know them in real life. Uh, so I will try to have a training session with them at the gym and like give some real life feedback uh. yeah so how, how do you like charge them like how much is it more expensive than like normal uh, go to meet you at the gym kind of consultation yeah so, so like um, online is usually just a one time sum like monthly it's like monthly membership kind of thing first like going for personal training at the gym you actually you actually pay by per session it's like tuition yeah. I see I see Isaac, one last question before we go. So, do you have any unpopular opinions about fitness? Yeah, so recently I've been quite involved in this uh, training principle called Strong Fit. Mm -hmm. And Strong Fit is not very, it's quite frowned upon in the fitness world for now, among those that are very so called book smart regarding fitness. So, like, they really f want to follow the scientific facts. but from what I've learned about Shanfi is that it does not really um, it doesn't like eliminate all the scientific stuff about fitness but rather it it aims to like go hand in hand with all these scientific claims so the basic idea about Shanfi is that it it aims to uh, promote awareness of athletes um, with regards to the muscles that they're using when performing a certain lift so this help them to this help them to improve like coordination in certain movements and also prevent injuries with, from using the wrong muscles and I feel like this principle really accurately joins the dots between like all the different fitness concepts out there and having experienced it for myself I really can see the benefits of this principle on my own performance so I don't think I should go into too much detail because it's a very dense and complicated uh, principle but there's a really good gym in Singapore that uh, practices strong fit and they're actually the first gym in Singapore in Southeast Asia that practice this methodology so this gym is called Canvas Training and it's actually the gym that I've been starting to train at and hopefully coach at in the near future so I mean if you want to know more about strong fit you can probably just google right yeah. yeah so there are a lot of podcasts online 
the founder of Sean Fee is this guy called Julian Pino and he has a lot of podcasts online with regards to like uh, strong fit coaching principles, strong fit nutrition and training principles. So you can find out more about that or maybe you can just sign up for a trial at Canvas Training Singapore. A lot of good coaches over there that can help kickstart your fitness journey safely and properly. Yeah. Okay, so thank you Isaac for coming on to the show. And so for people who are interested in like doing online coaching or actually starting their fitness journey, um, we actually have a promotion for distance of the show today. Uh, Isaac, I'll put his contact details later on. Uh, over here. Over here. Okay, over here. <laughs> over here. Uh, okay, actually, you can contact him on Instagram at imagineisaac. I M A G I N E I S A A C. Over here. Over here. And uh, on Telegram also. And he will give you a seven day free trial for online coaching. Terms and conditions apply. So if, if you are really keen on starting a fitness journey or you, you want like some advice from a certified personal trainer, please uh, contact Isaac here. So like, even if you're not sure what kind of training is best for you, yeah, just yeah, yeah. feel free to yeah. slide into my DM uh, and I'll be more than happy to try and work out what's best for you. Whether it's better for you to go down to a functional 45 training session or like see an online coach uh. Uh, because yeah. let's, let's you think about it like let's say you go to reddit you read you ask people over there and yeah it's nice they might reply you but is there some stranger you meet on the internet you never seen him before things like that okay right here now we have a certified fitness trainer uh he's a very great friend of mine uh he has great tremendous capabilities and it's a free seven day trial free seven day trial he advise you on fitness nutrition dieting and all that and there's no like strings attached or you don't have to give a credit card number or yeah. that. So why not just try this service out and uh, see where it goes. And I have full confidence in Isaac. And if you want to perform better like in blockchain or what, you need fitness. You need to stay fit, strong, think ahead of the pack. Because everyone out there is trying to get you. Uh, and with that we end our show. So Isaac, thank you very much. Thank you. For coming down today.